Okay. In Mark chapter 13, as we pick up this study, we're picking up really the middle of the longest discourse that Jesus has in the New Testament when his disciples ask him a couple of questions, and this is the longest teaching. And you go, well, what about the Sermon on the Mount? Well, that's pretty long too, but this one seems to be longer. Anyway, his disciples asked, I'm, I'm in and out again, aren't I? Okay, let's get a runner to bring me that microphone if we could. A fast runner. So we don't know what's going on, but we're going to get this fixed. So I'm going to keep going because I'm partially, it's partially working. And then Michael, you're going to need to adjust this with the live stream and everything else. I know you know that. So I might just use both mics. That way we'll, there will sound like there's two of me. How's that? <laughs> I'm going to use this as a backup if I need it, Michael. Wow, it's good to be back. <laughs> Jesus answering the question, and the question had a prophetic overtone to it. What will be the sign of these things happening? And he was answering the question initially. The, what will be the sign that the temple that the Jews looked at as such a mammoth, beautiful, just a beautiful, iconic site in Jerusalem. He said the temple's going to be destroyed. As a matter of fact, there'll be no stone left on top of one another by the time they're done with it. That happened in 70 AD. The Roman Empire came in, burned the temple, dismantled it piece by piece so that they could get the gold that had melted from the gold plating at the top and that had gone down and run through the different stones. They dismantled it piece by piece so that they could carve out the little flakes of gold even in between each stone. As Jesus prophesied, there was not one stone left upon another in this temple just a mere 37 years after he prophesied this. They also asked a question, and as Matthew indicates, the fullness of the question, Mark only does partial. Mark only does a partial on the question. Matthew indicates the fullness of the question, and, and that is, what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And so what we see in, the, in Mark chapter 13 is Jesus gives an answer. It's a prophetic overtone answer. And what he does is he, gives a, he paints a very wide brush stroke. And we saw that in the first 13 verses two weeks ago when we first started looking at this. And the big things that he said are going to happen, that there's going to be a growing spiritual climate that will culminate in everybody hating those who stand for the, the, the exclusivism of Jesus Christ. You'll be hated on my account by the world. Well, I got good news for you. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said these words about the same time frame just before he goes to the cross. He said, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have somebody fill in the blank. Peace. In the world you will have tribulation or difficulty or affliction, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. 
You're going to have difficulties. And he says prophetically, the more time goes on, the closer you get to the end of the age, the more people will hate those who stand for Jesus Christ. Now, back 25 years ago, Christians, when they were presented on media, Hollywood, different sitcoms, stuff like that, they were just meant to look stupid. They were just meant to look like buffoons. And now it's gotten even more aggressive. We are the far out, crazy, right wing people that really need to be eliminated from culture to make culture work right. I don't know if you have noticed that, but I've even in the last 25 years, I've seen that happen. Anybody else seen that? So I got good news for you. You're not just a buffoon. You're a danger. And I'm going to say, yes, you're a danger to the God of this world who controls ever since the Garden of Eden when Adam relinquished his right to to dominate and control this planet. That's what God gave him. Because he sinned, he gave up the right to rule this planet, to direct this planet under God's direction. He gave it up to Satan. And until Jesus returns, Satan is the one who's the evil underlord of this planet. That almost sounds like Marvel. Marvel and what, what's the other one? DC? Yeah, AC, DC, whatever. I didn't mean that. Now that I'm thinking of that, I didn't mean music. Okay, here we go. So he says, as the spiritual climate continues to devolve to the point where before he comes... Christians are going to be the bad guys in the world. You guys need to know that. In the world, you will have difficulty and affliction and persecution and tribulation. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer? Yeah, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. The spiritual climate will decline. It will gradually decline and decline more and more until the coming of Jesus Christ. We saw that last time. The growing political climate of hostility and chaos will continue. I don't know if any of you are noticing that the more that we have information that spans the globe through the Internet and instant information, I don't know about you, but it seems to me like the world is really in a screwball place. And the more that people are in chaos and nations are in hostility toward one another, The more that that happens, the more that the people will cry out for somebody who can give a solution to this crazy thing. Well, the devil's got good news for you. He's got a man in the wings that the Bible calls the Antichrist, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, the one who will come, and Jesus in the prophetic prophetic portion that we're going to look at this morning, he talks about this guy. Jesus said that there will be a growing earth crisis as, like it's described in Romans chapter 8, is the earth begins to groan and moan for the coming of Jesus Christ and the redemption of the sons of God. That even the earth will groan and moan. These will grow. These are called, in verse 13, in Mark chapter 13, I believe it's verse 13. No? It's actually up in verse 8. These things are called, these are merely the beginning of birth pangs or labor pains. How many of you have had babies and had labor pains? Raise your hand. Let me see. Wasn't that fun? Aren't those moments that you just, oh, that was so special. Or it was, I tolerated that 
because of the blessing, at least what looked like a blessing back at the time, that the blessing was well worth the difficulty. Isn't that the way that we look at labor pains? Jesus said that like labor pains, intense, they get more intense and they get more frequent. Guys, there's something that's going to come. It's going to be an incredible blessing. It's going to be his second coming to this earth to regain the rule that man lost in the Garden of Eden. He's already paid for it. He's already redeemed the world. He just hasn't taken possession yet. He hasn't evicted the evil underlord, Satan. He will. One day is coming. And that's what this section is about. Now, by the way, I did say that labor pains, I mean, I'm a guy. I don't understand labor pains. Some of you women understand them very, very, very well. And when you went into labor, were you excited for what was going to come after the labor was over? You were, huh? You, you were, huh? Huh? Yeah. I think it was about 36 years ago that my wife gave birth to our daughter, our firstborn. According to the planning, not the planning, but according to the calendar that the doctors thought she was on, She was actually a little bit early, but our daughter was born full term. She wasn't early at all. And the night that Melissa, the night that Jan went into labor in preparation to give birth to Melissa, we had decided earlier that night to make a dry run to the hospital so we would know where to go. I would know where to park. I would know exactly how we're going to get in. Everything was defined. Everything was set up. And so we did that. We went over to Kaiser Hospital. This is up in Northern California. We went over to Kaiser. We went up to the maternity floor. They, uh, and Jan had been having something that you ladies call Braxton Hicks, kind of what they false labor, right? She'd been having that. And so um, we talked to the, the people at the floor about that. And they said, oh, she's way too early. She's way too early. That's fine. That's fine. Well, lo and behold, guess what happens? That very night, she went into labor. We were at back at home. We already knew the road. That's me. I, need, I like to pre-plan. I like to, I like to be able to do this in the dark with, with a blindfold. I, I want to know where I'm going. So we pre-plan. She goes into labor. If I remember right, it was 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Wasn't it? It was kind of late. You remember better than me. Yeah. So it's late at night. She's going into labor. It's just a real deal. And we start seeing that the contractions seem to be coming stronger. And they're becoming more frequently. At a, at, a, at a particular moment, we called up the doctor, said, look, I think my wife's in labor. I think she's going to have the baby. I think the baby's coming. The doctor said, how, or the nurse on charge, whatever it was, how close are the contractions? Tell me about it. And so we told them about, told them about the situation. They said, oh, you're fine. You're fine. I think you, she's in labor. It's valid. She's going to have the baby. She actually had the baby the next morning. She's in labor, it's real labor, but you've got time. We recommend nice warm shower, relax a little bit, and then come on in kind of quickly. He said, okay, hung up the phone. <laughs> Immediately I jumped in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> we went in that night, and my wife was in labor for hours and hours and hours, somewhere around 10 or 12 hours, if I remember right. She'll remember it better. 
And then out came our daughter. This wonderful thing. And what I'm telling you is like labor pains intensified just before the birth, so these general things, earth crisis, political chaos, spiritual animosity toward those who stand for Jesus Christ, that will continue and intensify all the more until Jesus returns. Now, in verse 14, as we pick up Jesus giving this prophetic discourse, he starts, he takes from the general. This is the general spiritual climate. This is a general political climate. This is a general earth crisis And he zeroes in. It's kind of like taking a camera that's got a great zoom lens. And he zeroes in to the last three and a half years of what's commonly called the tribulation period. The seven year period that immediately precedes the return of Jesus Christ to rule the world. And he zeroes into that. And we start picking that up at verse 14. Now I want you to take a look with me real quick as we look at the highlights of what he's going to tell us in this passage. His overview, verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation. Now, there's going to be multiple times that he's going to give us a time frame statement. When when this happens, or after this happens, or at this time, this is very time-sensitive information that starts on Jesus' prophetic statement with this thing called the abomination of desolation. Well, we're going to talk about what that is. Verse 19. It says, but for those days will be a time of tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation, which God created until now and never will. What days? For those days, Matthew specifies and says, in those days... When you see the abomination of desolation. So there's going to be something that happens. And I'm going to give you a spoiler. The the prophet Daniel says that this thing called the abomination of desolation, Daniel chapter 9, he's going to tell us that this thing happens in the middle of that last seven-year period. The abomination of desolation happens. When that happens, there will be a time of tribulation. It means affliction. It means difficulty, such as has never occurred since the beginning of creation. Now, I'm telling you, there have been a lot of times where God's people have been the target of persecution. There's been a lot of times where nations have sought to completely eradicate the nation of Israel. The Holocaust. Well, that was only in our modern history. Back before that, the nation of Persia, the nation of Egypt. And every single time, the nation of Babylon, every single time, God has spared a remnant of Jewish people. We're going to talk more about the Jewish people next week when we get down to verse 28. Learn a, par- learn a message, learn from the parable of the fig tree. We're going to find out that the Israelite people, the nation of Israel is called the fig tree, God's fig tree. In the Old Testament, learn a parable from the fig tree. We'll we'll take a look at that a little more next week. But there's a parable that's incredible when you look at the history of the nation of Israel. The survivalist history of the nation of Israel. And these, there will be a time of tribulation, 
Matthew says there will be great tribulation. That's why this time frame is nicknamed the Great Tribulation. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a prophetic comment here, and that is when we speak of a seven-year tribulation period, how many of you have heard seven-year tribulation? Because some of you are going to sit there and go, I don't know what he's talking about this morning. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many of you have heard of the seven-year tribulation period? Raise your hand. Okay, a whole lot of you have. According to the prophet Daniel, and we're not going to get through all these verses, Wyatt, but according to the prophet Daniel, the last seven-year period begins when a world ruler that comes from Roman stock establishes a covenant with the nation of Israel. That covenant will be the first time, I believe, in Israel's history since their rebirth as a nation in May of 1948, it'll be the first time that Israel is recognized by the surrounding nations as an actual nation, that they have a right to exist. You realize that every, every attempted peace treaty since 1948, since the Jewish statehood was once again declared, acknowledged by the United Nations, it has been constantly attacked by the surrounding Arab nations. The surrounding Arab nations have tried to eradicate Israel, actually, it's part of the Palestinian charter that they exist to wipe Israel off of the face of the earth and into the sea. That no peace treaty, I'm talking Camp David Accords, I'm talking anything that, that Nixon has done, anything that Clinton had done, anything all the way up until a few years ago on the Abrahamic Accords with President Trump. There had been absolutely no acknowledgement from Arab people that Israel had a right to exist. The Abrahamic Accords, we'll talk about that more next week, but the Abrahamic Accords are the first time that a nation of Arab people, Saudi Arabia, acknowledged Israel has a valid, legitimate right to exist as a country. The prophet Daniel says in these last seven years, they will commence with a world leader from Roman stock that establishes a peace covenant with Israel, and that peace covenant will allow peace within the Mideast, something that has not been seen hitherto. Now, even the Abrahamic Accords, they scratch the surface of the peace, but all of the other Arab peoples surrounding Israel are not in accord with the Arab or Abrahamic Accord. They still are seeking to destroy Israel. The prophet Daniel says that peace treaty, once established, will allow Israel to be safe and secure in their land. And we go, yes, we want that. But then the prophet Daniel, chapter 9, verse 27 of Daniel, says that in the middle of that last seven-year period, in the exact middle of it, and just in, in case we can't count it, right, it's 1,260 days. 1,260 days into that, 1,260 days before the end of that, something is going to happen where this world leader is going to commit an atrocity that's known in Daniel as the abomination of desolation. That's what Jesus said, verse 14, when you see the abomination of desolation. Now, take a look at what Jesus said. Um, Wyatt, I know you're trying to follow me up here. Uh, probably just take a break, and otherwise it'll get confusing. Just go ahead and black out the screen, or leave, leave the screen on, 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 on Mark. 
Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be. Parentheses, let the reader understand. Matthew says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Guess what that holy place is, guys? It's the temple of Israel. It's the temple in Jerusalem. Guess what, guys? There is no temple in Jerusalem. Because at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus said that the temple would be dismantled stone by stone. Since 70 AD, there has been no Jewish temple in Jerusalem. The prophetic statement says this world ruler will establish peace. And in the middle of that seven-year period, the last seven-year period of man's Man in control, history on the earth before Jesus comes and establishes his uh, millennial reign. That in the middle of that, three and a half years into it, the, this Antichrist, this, this prince who is to come, will establish a peace treaty. But then in the middle of the seven years, he's going to break the treaty. He's going to commit the atrocity known as the abomination of desolation in which, as we see in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says what he does is he takes an image of himself and he puts it in the holy place, in the temple, and then demands to be worshipped as God. That's why it's called an abomination. That's why it's called an abomination that brings desecration because immediately following it, When he demands that people worship him, acknowledge him, and worship him as God, those that refuse to worship him are going to be in his crosshairs to be completely wiped out. Now, I tell you, I know who's going to be in his crosshairs. Because Revelation chapter 12 tells us that this man, inspired by the dragon described in Revelation chapter 12, who is Satan, who is a deceiver, who is the liar, who is the one who is against everything godly, this dragon will possess the heart of this leader and seek, according to Revelation chapter 12, to completely wipe out, to finish wiping out the Jewish people once and for all. And when he sees that that is an impossibility, Revelation 12 says, he will turn his aggression on the offspring of Israel who are defined as those non-Israelis, those Gentiles like you and me, who hold to the testimony of Jesus. So in the middle of this seven-year period, although the first half of it has been a semblance of peace, at least for the nation of Israel, in the middle of this seven-year period, the abomination of desolation, this guy's going to put his image in the rebuilt temple of Jerusalem. And you go, wait, wait, could the temple be rebuilt? Is it going to be rebuilt? Yeah, and this actually, this prophetic event where he desecrates the temple can't happen until the temple is rebuilt. Did you know, we've been to Israel, we've been to the Temple Institute, they have prefabbed many of the articles of the new temple. There have been time after time where zealots in Israel have gone up to the Temple Mount and it's in dispute. The Temple Mount is in dispute as to who owns it. Does Israel own it or do the Arabs own it? Is it Jewish control? Is it Muslim control? And there currently sits a mosque on the top of the Temple Mount that's known as the Dome of the Rock Mosque. Archaeological digs have shown that in the outer courts 
outer area of the Dome of the Rock, they have uncovered the, the actual, the, the stones, foundation stones of the inner part of the ancient Jewish temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. What that means is that the ancient temple can be rebuilt in its same spot that it was on before uh, destruction in 70 AD. It can be rebuilt on the same site and be right next door to the Alaska Mosque, to the Dome of the Rock Mosque, which is one of the holy sites to the Islamic religion. What that says is probably there's going to be a day, and you and I will probably see it. Well, we'll see it from either here on earth Or we may actually see it because we have been translated into heaven. We'll see it from the mezzanine or we'll see it from earth where this temple, something happens where the Arab nations that want to kill Israel and wipe them out and not acknowledge their right to exist are come to the point, they're led to the point, they're brought to the table where they are acknowledging their right to exist and the temple is allowed to be rebuilt. I believe it's going to be rebuilt on the same temple mount right next door to the Alaska Mosque. Who's going to do it? I think this guy who's prophesied in the book of Daniel chapter 9, the prince who is to come, the prince of the Roman stock people who destroyed the temple back in 70 AD, that that same people is going to produce a guy that's going to be known as the Antichrist. Does that make sense to you? Are you following me? Okay. That when that happens, when he breaks the covenant, the peace covenant with Israel, and sets an image of himself in the temple and demands that he be worshipped as God, many of the Jewish people are going to say, we got duped, this is not right. At that point, this Antichrist guy, according to Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 17, he is going to institute what's called the mark of the beast. You guys have heard of that. That there will be a mark that all of his adherents, all of the ones who say, yes, we're a part of your kingdom. Yes, you're the one. Yes, you're God. That people will be forced to take a mark. Now, a few months ago, a year or so ago, when the COVID vaccine came out, You had a lot of people saying, oh, no, 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 mark of beast, mark of beast. No, not for me. I don't think the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. And I got good news for you. I don't think if you've taken a vaccine, some of you have. You know, that's your choice. Some of you haven't. That is also your choice. But I don't think if you've taken the vaccine, I don't think you've taken the mark. But I think what, what has happened is possibly the delivery system of the mark of the beast is they're playing with it. We already have everything that's prophesied insofar as technology available to be instituted on a moment's notice. And, and a lot of that is, you know, thanks to Amazon and Google, too. They've done their job. The world is prepped For somebody to step in to say, I can lead this world into peace and to do it. Jesus said, when that three and a half year point of into this peace agreement, when that finally hits and this guy says, I'm, by the way, I'm God. Worship me as God. Puts his image in the temple. That's the desecration. That's the abomination of desolation. Let me just read what Jesus wrote. 
or what Jesus said, verse 14 in Mark chapter 13, when you see the abomination of desolation. So here's, here's the time point. Here's, we're zooming into this time of the prophetic, the prophetic scriptures. When you see that standing where it should not be in the holy place in the temple, then, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountain. The one who's in a, on the housetop, don't even go down or go in to get anything out of his house. The one who's in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. Woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that it may not happen in the winter. Well, why? Because all kinds of difficulties are going to come to the ones that are trying to escape Jerusalem. All of the, and this, this Matthew even says Matthew's written to a Jewish Jewish audience. He says, "Pray that this thing wouldn't happen on a Sabbath day." Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but Orthodox Jews in the Holy Land still observe the Sabbath in an incredibly legalistic way. They can only travel so far on the Sabbath. I don't even think they can go up and down an elevator. Am I right? That, because that's work. It's like there's and and if you start up your car, you've you've kindled a fire. And you can't start your car on the Sabbath day. These are the ones that are very orthodox, trying to uh, honor the Sabbath. Pray that this doesn't happen on the Sabbath, Matthew 24 says. Pray that it would be at a time when the Israelis who are in Jerusalem that see the abomination of desolation, they can get out of town and get out of town quick. Now, I'm all jazzed up about what I'm sharing with you this morning. This is one of my favorite topics in Scripture. And I'm looking at the clock going, Mick, you've got to stop being jazzed up. It's almost time to end this thing. So let me close with a few comments, knowing that we're not going to get nearly as far as I had hoped to get this morning. How many of you are surprised this morning? Yeah. <laughs> but he says to them, when this abomination of desolation happens, get out of town. Don't go back inside to get anything. Get out of Jerusalem. Get out of Judea. Now, there are some minor prophets in the Old Testament, as well as Revelation chapter 12, that talks about when Satan's aggression turns mightily on the Jewish people to try to wipe them out. It's like his final last-ditch effort to try to wipe them out. I think that's this prophetic time that we're looking at. That as that time happens, it says God has prepared a place of security. Many of us feel that it is a place in modern Jordan. It's a rock-sheared, walled-in city called Petra, which means rock. That may well be the place that God protects his people, but he's, get out of town. And then God says, Revelation 12, I'll give them the wings of the great eagle. Some people say, oh, finally found America in prophecy. The wings of the eagle, that our American airplanes are going to come in and fly these people into Petra. I don't know. That's just a brainstorm. That's just a thought. But when the man of peace establishes his covenant, he's going to break it. It's interesting. And I've got, uh, I don't know if it'll be next week or the next week when we actually finally get to verse 28. And we'll talk about the Jewish people the Jewish people as a sign, as this fig tree parable that I'm going to share with you um, some publications that I think are highly, highly insightful. 
into the history of the Jews, into their preservation through all different kinds of wars against them, all of that kind of stuff. I'm going to share that some of that stuff with you and where you can freely download some of that stuff. It's, on, it's available on the Internet. And to look at the incredible, miraculous survival of Israel as a nation, even to this point. Well, the Antichrist, under Satan's incredible inspiration and fury, is going to have one last ditch effort to try to wipe out the the Jewish people. Jesus said, when this happens, get out of town. Go to the place that's prepared for you. And then it says, real interesting, verse 19, there's going to be a time of tribulation. We've looked at that. There's going to be a time of difficulty. Please understand, this is going to be new to some of you. The great tribulation as defined as starting with the, uh, the, the abomination of desolation in the midpoint of that seven years, the great tribulation is not God's wrath on the earth. The great tribulation is Satan's fury through this character called Antichrist to try to wipe out Christians and Jews. I got news for you. If you know Jesus, if you've been called his people, if you are his divine elect that he has called to himself, you will never be under the wrath of God. But you will be the cross-haired target for Satan. The great tribulation is Satan's fury And then, one more verse and we're done. Verse 20, unless the Lord had shortened those days. What days? The days that follow the abomination of desolation, the days of great tribulation that are sought to to completely wipe out Israel and wipe out Christians. Unless the Lord had shortened those days. I got good news. God is going to shorten that great tribulation period. And in the next verses, we'll pick this up next week right here. We'll see how he's going to do it. We'll take a look at the six seals in the book of Revelation chapter 6, which also chronicle this time frame. And they walk us right through. And as we put those in synthesis with Matthew 24, Mark chapter 13, Revelation 12, Revelation 13, we put those, we can come up with a timeline that makes absolute sense as it's synthesized together, the seals the prophecy that God will shorten, God will stop the great tribulation in its tracks so that it says, had that not happened, no life, or had, if that did, doesn't happen, no life would be saved, but for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he will shorten those days. Well, I hope I've piqued your curiosity. I hope I've scratched your interest This is an incredible passage that we might be in our life close to seeing it fulfilled. That's why Jesus over and over, four or five times, he says in this chapter, so take heed, be careful, be on the alert. In other words, don't sleep through life, guys. So where do we end today? I got good news for you. You'll never be under the wrath of God if you know Jesus Christ. Because Jesus willingly went to the cross and sacrificed himself to take God's wrath upon himself. Your punishment that was due you for your sin, he took it upon himself. That's Jesus. And you'll never be under the wrath of God, the punishment of God. Now, God loves you. You'll you'll be under his discipline now and then. Whom he loves, he disciplines. But don't mistake that with his wrath against sin and against rebellion.
And so I want you to know that God loves you and that he's paved the way for you to come to his holy heaven and be with him forever and ever. And that bridge is called Jesus Christ. And if you've never come to Jesus, know that as this world marches toward its culmination, he's got a plan for you. And if you're hearing what I'm saying this morning, he's knocking on your heart saying, let me in, let me in. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word would be an encouragement to us today. I pray, God, that the truth of the prophetic word that's already been fulfilled would help us be confident in that which is already stated that will come as well. Father, help us to have confidence in your word, to not doubt it, to trust in it, and to be on the alert, and to know that in the end, you win. You win. Guys, I'll